boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this 13th of July. Today I'll be chatting to Wentworth Park's Ron Arnold about the two features there tonight and also Jason Cayley, who trained his first winner at Sandown a couple of weeks ago. We'll be chatting about that and some history of Sandown. What's making news around the kennels? Thursday night at Sandown saw the running of the McKenna Memorial. It was taken out by often imitated for Jackie Greeno in 33.92, which is a race record. Neo Cleo, the favourite, tried very hard but just wasn't good enough on the night. It was often imitated 25th start and 13th win, only her third over the 5.95 at Sandown. And being out of sweet it is, I think we can expect to see her over the distance sometime in the future. It was a successful night for the Victorians at Wentworth Park last Saturday night with Jeff Britton and Angela Langton qualifying two for the Mosman Opal and three for the Vic Peters. Paula Bella qualified Aston Peregrine and Lisa Helmuth start a riot in the Opal also. Both finals are worth $75,000 to the winner and we'll have more soon about those with Ron Arnold. It doesn't seem that long ago that he was racing, but Lightning Frank is beginning to make a name for himself as a sire, having already sired three winners from his first three starters, so he looks to have a bright stud career ahead of him. Horsham local Jarman took his career wins to 29 at Horsham on Tuesday for trainer Cliff Smith. He's also had 16 placings, and at three and a half years of age, he should still have plenty of racing left in him. The maturity kicks off at the Meadows next weekend. In the meantime, the Meadows are holding their Christmas in July themed nights this month with prizes awarded to the best dressed patrons. So there is no better reason to don your knitted Xmas jumper and uh, hop down to the Meadows and try and win one of those great prizes. Speaking of the Meadows, they are hosting an adoption day on Sunday the 11th of August from 1 till 3. Info can be found on the website. And GRV are helping participants prepare for the many aspects of the Code of Practice that will be implemented in January 2020. There is plenty of information of what is required that can be found on the website. And finally, the National Sprint and Distance Finals will take place in Cannington this year. Heats in Victoria commence in early August. Nominations close at the end of the month and again, info can be found on the website. This is Talking Greyhounds for Christmas in July at the Meadows. Exhilarating greyhound racing, the Christmas buffet and jumping castles for the kids every Saturday night in July. See themeadows.org.au RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And joining me now is Wentworth Park's Ron Arnold. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Simone. Yes, a great Saturday and a big Saturday night looming up at Wendy Park. You sure? You have got a big Saturday night looming up tonight. But um, there's been a bit of a revamp with these two races, the Vic Peters Classic and the Peter Mosman Opal, hasn't there? Yeah, there certainly has, I suppose. There's a lot of big feature races on these days and it's hard for people to travel all the time and between GR New South Wales and the GBOTA, they decided to sort of narrow a bit down. And obviously, you know, the, the big nomination flow like we used to have a few years ago is not there anymore. And uh, it's one of those things. And, of course, we now start at 6 o'clock or just after 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. So for the dead heart of winter. And, uh, you know, as I say, it's just a change. And, look, it was well received last Saturday. And certainly from the owners and trainers' perspective, they're home a couple of hours earlier. So for the long travellers, that's a bonus. 
It is. Sandown have been doing that for a couple of years now during the winter and um, it just gives you that opportunity to miss a little bit more traffic if you're lucky um, and just get home that little bit earlier as well. It's been very well received down here as well. So well done to uh, New South Wales there with um, putting in the earlier time slot. But Ron, let's have a look at these two features, $75,000 to the winner of both. We'll start with the Vic Peters Classic. There seems to be one standout and that is Feral Frankie. Yes, there's such a thing as a bit of a cult following, Simone. I, I, I think I saw it a few years ago, obviously, with the great Fernando Bale. And uh, Feral Frankie is starting to certainly get that. And, and you hear the crowd, it's, it's quite amazing. At around about the halfway mark, they start to scream, go Feral. And it, it is, it just captures. And, and obviously, the Greyhounds delivered as well some of the victories, particularly up north at Albion Park recently, you know, really got the crowd pumping. And, and that's what we need. All the codes of racing, you know, really respond to, you know, not the champion tag necessarily, but something that adds a little bit to it. And um, and Feral Frankie at the moment, particularly the dogs that come from behind, I think they always add something. People are looking for the runs. A bit like Zipping Bailey, the same process. Mm. Um, you know, when you've got the front runners, they sort of think, oh, you're in front, you're going to win. But when you're coming from behind, you're missing checks and you're going left and going wide and on the long the fence, it's... It is exciting racing, and, and this Greyhound has just delivered over the last couple of months spectacularly. Uh, box five, are you at all worried about that box for him? Because he will start the favourite. Yeah, oh, yeah. look, this is the test, if there's such a thing as the test. Um, yeah, there's some genuine, good, smart dogs in this um, that have got early pace. And when you're on the bunny and running time, it doesn't matter who you are, when you're coming six or eight lengths off the pace, it is hard to rail them in. Um, and, and I just think the draw and the quality of the field will just make it a little bit harder for Feral. He's had you know a few good runs, um, but it's just one of those things that you know that there is a bit of from a bookie's point of view, the old-fashioned lay the favourite. This would be the night you'd probably do it. <laughs> right, there's um, some good up-and-coming youngsters here as well, with number seven, Mr. Harlewood, and eight, Webleck Jack, both for Jeff Britton. Um, they're both youngsters too, and have only had. Well, Mr. Harwood's only had nine runs in his career and Webleck Jack only eight. And uh, both of those greyhounds are around the $4 mark. So they certainly look like they're in with a big chance. But I'm not sure that the box draws probably played in their favour there. And again, and side by side is probably going to be an issue. Look, I can picture, unfortunately, a little bit of a tightening and jam at that first bend. Um, And that's why I do think it's going to be important to be the, the leader or sitting on the fence looking for a run. And, and as I say, if, if Feral Frankie can find certainly a run at the, at the corner, obviously very hard to beat. But right at the moment, I'm, I'm going for a bit of a real value. Um, I've got a high opinion of a greyhound called Show Business. Right. Box four is not necessarily going to be a great worry if it steps as clean as, as what um, he can. I just think he can lead. Kid Candle's got a lot of pace along the inside. They'll be the front runners. Um, then it's the lottery what happens with the pack behind them. But, uh, you know, show business is going to be dead set 12 to $15. And I just think on an each-way tote, if it jumps clean and can get round the first turn, it will be in the, the firing line all the way to the finish. Obviously, if Feral Frankie gets a run through and sits four or five lengths off it down the back, he'll climb over the top. But I think from the, from those that are interested, your listeners, Simone, that just wants to have a, you know, a little bit of an each-way bet and have a bit of run for your money, I think show business is well worth it. Well, the three inside runners, Kid Candle, Corburn, Marty and Charlie Casey, they're all around the $10 mark as well. And like you mentioned, show business will start 
around that too. And looking at the form of show business, he is quite consistent early, um, does have that pace and drawn either side of him doesn't seem to be any real genuine speed or consistent speed. So you might be onto something, Ron. Yeah, and it's one of those rare markets in greyhound racing. If you have a look and see the basically of all but the four outsiders are literally drawn all on the inside, which mm. is not you know, normally the boxes give them a bit of advantage. And I just sometimes you just you don't want to see interference, obviously, in races, but you just sense that they're all going to be in a little bit of a clump, and you tend to then go, well, who's going to lead or who's going to be on the rail? And I think between four and one they will be, and obviously Feral Frankie's the other one you've got to throw in because whatever happens, you will be charging home. So. Um, as I say, just for a bit of an interest, I've sort of gone wide. I've thrown show business in, and uh, I've just put Feral Frankie and Kid Candle in to, to fill the miners. All right, let's have a look at the Peter Mosman Opal. Um, good Victorian representation here as well, and uh, looks like Miley Nismo, the locally trained greyhound, will start the favourite at 260 from the red, but um, a little bit more even in the market, I guess, here in this race, Peter, so, oh, Ron. Um, so maybe... I don't know, maybe it's a more even race, not just dominated by one particular favourite. What are your thoughts about the Opal? Look, I think you're right, but I think, unfortunately, when you get an even race and box number one comes up, it is a massive advantage, Mm. you know, over the years, and particularly at Wendy Park. If you do everything right from box one in these races, it it just gives you that little bit of an inside run. Um, And I just think drawn to win, Miley. I I just, honestly, I think, you know, Greyhounds like Zipping Turvey and that, they probably might have a better future down the track, but um, I just think the draw really leans Miley Nismo's way. And, you know, and, and Aston Peregrine, just brilliant greyhounds, but they've mm. just got to overcome draws. And, you know, in, in that early pace and that run to that first turn, again, if there's any trouble, the inside runner's going to get the break. And got enough pace, Miley Nismo, to well and truly be up there. And, and, and I think drawn to win a final. It's not always you say that the, the box necessarily gets you home in the big races. You've got to have the ability as well. But on this occasion, I think the box of the box one will take Miley Nismo a long, long way to victory. And, um, you know, she, she's quite strong as well. And particularly with that 29.67 personal best there. The greyhound that's um, really caught my attention is Zipping Truvy. Now, this greyhound's only had three career starts, three wins, and they've been spaced from April June and now July. It was an enormous run from her. Uh, like you mentioned, perhaps a greyhound a little bit down the track, um, but gee, her run was sensational in her heat. Oh, and certainly, and again, extremely strong. Again, it's one of those greyhounds that gets a bit of a run at the first turn. If Miley goes out, Zipping might come in behind. It's just one of those, but I've just sort of lent the, the way of the red, just off the back of, you know, you watch enough greyhound races over decades to know what box one can do in a big race, and on this occasion, I just think Miley... Zipping will definitely run on. I, I, I sense from box number two, it's well drawn, and uh, it will run on, I think, into placings for sure. And, and the Aston Peregrine, well, you can't leave it out. It's just a quality animal, and, and, you know, you've got to throw it in. I think that's a trifecta that, between the mix, I think they will one, one, two, three. Mm, and um, start a right for the helmless. Got plenty of early pace there. Took out the Winter Cup at Cranbourne uh, last weekend. That was a $20,000 to the winner event. But um, unlike the males final, Ron, uh, the value is drawn outside in this particular race. Boxes six, seven and eight are all in the double figure odds. So like you mentioned, probably down near the rails is where you want to be drawn in this uh, bitches final. Yeah, and we know in these days, so man, when you get to these big finals on the clock, there's not a lot between them. No, um, you know, most of the eight dogs these days, there's probably only three or four lengths between them at best. So 
if you can get that lucky break A of a box draw, secondly of a bit of a run at the first turn, it's a long way to victory. It sure is. Well, Ron, it's been great having you on Talking Greyhounds again this morning. All the very best for the finals tonight at Wentworth Park. I know you'll be there with bells on and um, no doubt getting some interviews from trainers as well. But good work up there. It's great having you up there and um, being able to convey all this information. Appreciate your time. No problem, Simone. All the Victorian trainers hope they travel up safely. This is Talking Greyhounds for Christmas in July at the Meadows. Exhilarating greyhound racing, the Christmas buffet and jumping castles for the kids every Saturday night in July. See themeadows.org.au RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. Away in racing and jumping well, Star Fever from the inside going out fast. Ya, 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 and hedonistic from the outside as Star Fever goes through to lead. Put up two lengths to Ya, ya, ya. Hedonistic's working around the outside of Thread and Mikado and last Mindle Beach down the back and Ya, ya, ya. Let down the favourite. Oh, he wandered about when he took the lead. Coming back, Star Fever, and now Hedonistic a length away. It's Ya, Ya, Ya. He's a bit green on the outside. Coming back, Star Fever, and Hedonistic right over the top. Hedonistic, too strong, one a length and a half of photos. And joining me now is Jason Cayley, who is the trainer of Hedonistic, who took out that win at Sandown. Jason, it must still give you a thrill listening to that replay. Uh, It does, certainly. uh, uh, I wish radio was a bit more visual too. I often look like looking at my replays as well at the same time visually, but yeah, (laughs) hearing that was a sort of smile on my face, I must admit. At what point did you think you were going to win that race? Um, I kind of felt that she had a good chance going into it. Um, She is a sneaky little girl though. Uh, Normally her best races come when she eats her mattress in the kennel house. (laughs) So uh, if I had seen the mattress in pieces, I would have had a greater degree of confidence. Right. But, uh, no, I thought she would have been up there. Um, I did actually say to the other trainers when I saw the mattress hadn't been eaten, I said, well, there goes my winning shot. Um, but, no, she did surprise me and, uh, you know, put in a good run. But she's uh, she has been running well at Sandown Park, although I've been taking her to Cranbourne as well uh, for hit-outs. She just tends to love the track, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that the track design is quite similar to what she, she got used to over in Adelaide before moving across here. So, uh, that similarity, I think, has helped her a bit. Right. There's quite a story behind her because um, she's had the two wins now out of her 55 starts with 15, uh, 16 placings. Um, you're, you've got a, a bit of a, a thing for taking greyhounds that may be a bit of a project, haven't you, and turning them around, and it's certainly been the case with her. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, in, in fact, Syndicate, uh, name that we have for some of the dogs that are shared between my brother and some other connections is um, a special project. So it's a special project syndicate, and I think that's a, a, an accurate reflection of what we take on. Um, in fact, if I was ever going to um, have a commercial name associated with my kennels, I'd probably call them something along the lines of second chance kennels or thereabouts. Um, I, I just enjoy the challenge. I enjoy taking on a dog that uh, you know is physically sound, uh, may have a few either behavioural challenges or perhaps uh, just needs a change of environment and seeing what I can do with them. So uh, that's kind of the challenge that I take on and, you know, really thrive on, if you like. Well, you gave up a job in IT working around the world um, for training dogs now, and you've been training for about 10 years. So it obviously was something that really resonated with you and you thought, I really want to give this a chance and this is the time to do it. And it sounds like you've got this passion, so it's all going to happen for you. Yeah, well, I think... um, Perseverance is certainly the key to it. Um, I, I did mention, you know, when, when interviewed by Jason Adams, one of the articles for Sandown, 
uh, Greyhound's website. But, uh, you know, it does take perseverance and a bit of dedication, and uh, those rewards eventually come. So it's not a case for me of looking for high strike rate wins or uh, win after win, week after week. It's really about getting success out of these dogs and then uh, preparing them for rehoming as well. Mm. So uh, my approach to training is a little bit different, I think, to uh, a traditional method of training greyhounds where I'm actually having dogs inside the house as well, on the TV, taking them to the beach, taking them to shopping centres, really socialising them as well. So if you like, uh, the way I view the the fleet really is their pets, pets with a purpose or dogs with jobs. Mm. That's an interesting um, an interesting um, way of approaching it, I guess, and it will be good in time to see how this works out because I guess we have this hardcore sense of, you know, the dogs are first and foremost a working dog. They've got a job to do and when they've finished that, then they become pets, whereas you're doing it in the opposite way and it will be interesting to see how that pans out, whether being around, you know, like you mentioned, shopping centres and doing everyday things, whether that actually enhances or detracts from their racing ability. It's uh, I I don't think anyone has done it that way before. No, I think um, <clears throat> there certainly have been some trainers in the past, particularly back in the 70s and 80s, that did make reference to letting their dogs inside because there was a, a little bit of mythology around even allowing a racing dog in the house. And uh, I'd heard quotes such as, the dog will switch off or it'll lose its mm. chase drive. Yep. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. I think you over, if you over pamper a pooch, uh, they may start to switch off. But if, you, if you're spending the time with putting the time into the dog to make it a well-balanced, socialised animal that's a complete package, you'll find that they, well, at least in my experience of doing it over the last 10 years, they've become a lot more flexible and agile as to where they're suited. So you, you have a greater degree of flexibility. They're not as spooked, if you like, when they go to new environments, mm. and go to a new track for the first time. Um, and also just that, that notion of being around strangers, um, and a stranger could be just as simple as a, a new track vet that they've never met before when they're going over the vet table uh, for their pre-race checks. So, um, you know, in, in my opinion, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a balance. It, it is a balancing act. And it's, it's really about treating the dog as an individual, getting inside that dog's head, learning its psychology, and then uh, reading your dog. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've got the time and the benefit here, if you like, of treating each of them because I only have a, a, a limited supply here. I'm only allowed four dogs with my current permit, so uh, I can take that extra time, get to know each dog as an individual, and then uh, customise a training program to suit that, that particular animal. Now, training goes back, or greyhounds go back a long way in your family too, don't they? Um, you told me a little bit of history about Sandown. Um, originally, it wasn't at the, orig- at the site where it is now, but Greysdale Park from 1938 to 1955, and you had a connection there with your grandparents who had greyhounds. Yeah, yeah. Tended to uh, skip the generation with my mum. Right. Um, however, if we rewind about 70, talking 72 years ago, um, <clears throat> the Meeple family were involved in greyhounds. And uh, there are actually two tracks running around the Springvale area at that time. There was uh, Graysdale Park, which is where the uh, Springvale Town Hall was currently located. And as you, as you mentioned, that operated between 1938 and 1955 as one of the proprietary tracks. Yes. Um, at that time, there were for-profit tracks run by individual businesses and conglomerates, uh, very similar to what White City was, uh, which used to be located between uh, Tottenham and Spotswood. And this was, you know, a very different time. So uh, grass tracks, no sand tracks, um, handicapped boxes, handicapped races were quite popular. Um, and in fact, pilot dogs were used in addition to live hares that ran down a chute. 
Uh, so the live hare was never caught on these tracks, but it was actually run through a, a dedicated chute with a pilot dog right. that was used to, to lead the fields. Right. Um, and the connection there to Sandown was that, uh, yes, my grandparents, uh, Ivy Meekle, in 1947, October of 1947, was runner-up in the... Uh, Sandown 1,000 pounds, which was a precursor to what ultimately became the Melbourne Cup. Um, the Melbourne Cup inaugural race was run in 1956, so some nine years earlier. Uh, my grandparents were runners-up in, the, at the time, uh, quite a, a lucrative race. Yeah, it's uh, it's great history. And 1,000 pounds back then, my goodness, that would have been a lot of money as well, and not just... Yeah, um, well... It's funny, the way they express the, uh, the prize money in those days, not too dissimilar today um, in certain states, but um, £1,000 was obviously uh, was the total prize pool. £400 uh, was to the winner, and uh, that was in 1947, as I mentioned. And the first Melbourne Cup, um, the, the winner received £500, right. £100 more right. to win the, Melbourne, the, the first round of the Melbourne Cup. It's 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 great history. It's been great talking to you this morning, Jason. So can you tell us when Hedonistic might be hitting the track up again? Uh, yeah, I decided to. She she actually came second in the final. That was a hit yes, to replay that's right. To. Um, <clears throat> she was narrowly defeated. Um, in fact, the official margin was just 1.14 length. If she had to have another 20, 30 metres, she probably would have won that race. Um, so she's taking a week off this weekend and she'll be back at Sandown uh, next Sunday, Sunday week. Uh, well, all the best. We'll be looking out for hedonistic and um, seeing all these training skills that you've got, seeing how it all plays out over time. So well done on thinking outside the square and um, great talking about the history as well. Thank you for joining me on Talking Greyhounds this morning, Jason. Thanks a lot, Simone. Take care. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Away and racing in Neo Cleo pinged away from the inside straight out to lead over Black Impala and cruising across to third often imitated and they pour the pressure on with a lap to go. Followed by Sweet as M, then Apex within. Punching through Diner Chance at Go Seek Heidi and last of all Midnight Dare. Down the back and often imitated booted clear led by three to Neo Cleo who's chasing hard. They're four lengths to Sweet as M and the rest headed by Diner Chancer. It's often imitated the leader. Neo Cleo's coming to the outside, often imitated in front and often imitated, won the McKenna three quarters. A terrific run in the McKenna Memorial there last night by often imitated, so she does get my run of the week, but plenty of other eye-catching runs this week also. Last week's dog to follow, True Detective, won at Sandown over the 5.95 on Sunday, coming from midfield in 35.05, plenty of improvement in that greyhound, my dog to follow this week is Weepix Jester, who put in a huge performance to run down the Sandown Cup winner Rajasthan at the Meadows last Saturday night. He's only had 13 starts with five wins, but trimmed seven lengths off his previous time recorded over the 7.25 there. Watch out for him when he is next drawn. My best bet is race five, number two at Bendigo tonight, who uh, the recent cup finalist, Wally Milne, is back to a mixed fourth and fifth grade. He can be hit or miss early, but has a great record at the Bendigo track. We have the finals of the Peter Mosman and Vic Peters coming up tonight at Wentworth Park and heats of the maturity next week. Talking Greyhounds was brought to you by Christmas in July at the Meadows. Exhilarating Greyhound Racing, the Christmas Buffet and Jumping Castles for the Kids every Saturday night in July. See themeadows.org.au And until next week, you keep those tails wagging.